ever been listening to your favorite podcast and think, hey, I want to start my own? Then you need Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, everyone's favorite word, free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello, my beautiful people, and welcome back to the Bibliophile Hour. I am your host slash cousin, Erica the Bibliophile, and we are here for day 25 of Read a Book, Record a Podcast. And today's book is The Way My Heart is Built by Nikki Brown. This is also a three-part series. Those seem to be the one I gravitate towards the most. And this was a really good read, and I'm ready to get into it. So let's go. Sayora is in the car with her boyfriend on her way to pick up her friend, Missy. And her boyfriend, Monster, who his real name is Quintrell, but we're just going to call him Monster. He has an attitude about it. He's like, you know, we're supposed to be spending the day together. Why do you always drop everything when she comes calling? And she's like, you know, she's my best friend. I'm not just going to leave her hanging. And, you know, she's like, she's probably got caught up with some guy and he's like, hmm, good for her whole ass. But when they get there to get her friend, you know, Sayora jumps out the car, but he gets out too. Like, you know, you're not going in there. You don't know what she got going on. And he goes inside. But when he goes in there, he starts beating up the guy. But he's just like so upset about it. Sayora's looking like, why are you this mad? And so she's looking at him. Then she looks at her best friend who can't. For some reason meet her eyes so she's putting two and two together like how long has this been going on he tries to play it off but missy is about to tell the truth until sayora runs through a red light and she crashes into another car and you know everything goes black and when she wakes up in the hospital she is handcuffed to the rail of the hospital bed and they tell her you know you're under arrest for murder. The car that she crashed into, that driver died. And also there were drugs in the car. But her dad tells her, Sayora's dad, like, be quiet. The lawyer is on the way. Don't say anything. And, but the dad says, you know, you should go and ask her man because he's a known drug dealer. But the detectives tell him, I'll tell you what we have, Mr. Mayhews. We have a duffel bag full of the purest cocaine that I have ever seen. And two witnesses say that the drugs belong to your daughter. The clothes inside of the duffel bag belong to your daughter. The car that the drugs were in belonged to your daughter. Now, I don't know the relationship she has with Quintrell Mason, but he's claiming to not know anything about the drugs that we found in her car. And Missy Smith is claiming the same thing. So someone needs to tell us something because the drugs didn't just appear out of nowhere. And $8,000 in cash was also found in an envelope in your daughter's purse. So everything is pointing towards her. Also, while her boyfriend and her best friend are saying that everything belongs to her and they don't know anything. So when she's cleared from the hospital, she goes to jail. 
So it's been five years and Sayora is being released from prison and her sister is there to pick her up. And, you know, it's a very sentimental moment. And but she looks good. Her sister tells her, you know, you look like you've been working out. And she says, you know, behind the wall, there's nothing else to do but work out. So it's sentimental for a minute. But she tells her, you know, I don't want sympathy. I don't want anybody looking at me like I'm crazy. I just want to get to work and move on with my life and her sister tells her you know dad bought you a brand new car after her car in the accident was totaled out and she like her sister Nikki pushes her towards the driver door and for a minute all she can do is just stand there looking at her in the door and her sister's like oh I'm so sorry I forgot and you know, this is a problem for her. While she was in jail, she was working with a therapist, you know, to prepare her to get into a car again, but she's still not ready. She can't wrap her mind around getting behind the wheel of a car. So, you know, her sister drives them home and it's very emotional. Her dad is there. Well, her whole family is there, but you know, more so her dad, he can't wait to see his baby girl again because she's the youngest out of three girls. And, you know, when his when her dad sees her, she's, uh, excuse me, he's just like, can I kill that nigga now? Like, I'm, I'm over this. And the fact that you even had to go to jail behind him, I'm ready to kill him. And, um, where am I? Oh, he was smarter than they thought because the duffel bags in the car, you know, he filled with her clothes. It was her spend the night bag that she kept in her car. He had the drugs in there. And he also has a car wash business that she knew nothing about. She really didn't know anything about him. She never met any of his friends. She didn't meet his family. And the only thing she knew was when his quote unquote work phone rung, he ran out. And, you know, when the police asked him about it, he shut all that down. Like, I'm not a drug dealer. I don't know what she's talking about. And he provided the income from the car wash that he owned. But, you know, she's telling her dad, like, no, I'm not worried about that. I'm just here. I'm ready to move on. And for a second, like, her whole family is quiet. And she tells them the worst thing that y'all can do is treat me like glass. I can't take that. This is hard enough for me. I just want y'all love and support. Don't give me any sympathy. Don't be looking at me like I'm crazy. Don't feel like you got to tiptoe around me. Like, please treat me like I'm normal. Because if you continue to treat me this way, like, y'all don't know what to say and can't do nothing around me. That's going to make it even worse. But she also had a son. Like, when she first went to prison, she found out that she was pregnant. But when she had the baby, she had to hand over custody to Monster. The baby boy's name is Quest, and he's there as well. But at first, she didn't think he was going to show because Monster said it wasn't her schedule or um her parents' scheduled weekend because her um her parents have temporary custody, so you know that provided them with weekends with the boy. So he's just not completely over there with Monster, not knowing what he's saying about. Uh, his mama, you know what I mean? And then she wouldn't have had any type of interaction with him because the parents were bringing, up, bringing Quest up there every weekend to see her. So, you know, he knows her. He calls her mommy. 
And her dad tells her, you know, you have an appointment with the lawyer tomorrow. I want all of his rights stripped. And I know you want a spiritual journey and shit, but that ain't by, they ain't got nothing to do with me. Like he shouldn't have had full custody of your son anyway. And also, you know, in the streets, he should have been dead. That, <laughs> and he calls Missy a, whore, a horse mouth whore. And he says, you know, I'm a, I'm a relax. Her dad says, I'm a relax. But the first time he even looks at you wrong or takes in too much air that may have been meant for you, there won't be a hell hot enough to keep me off his ass. Um, And he tells her, you know, I also think that they're not doing right by him. Because she asks, you know, like, how did, how did you get him to agree to let Quest come and see me and he said I went over there and told him if he liked breathing I suggest he have my grandson to this house by 10 o'clock and you know going back to I don't think they're doing right by the kids he's like you know it just doesn't seem right and some of the things he says like you can kind of tell that Quest doesn't like going to his dad's house and Missy is trying to take the role of stepmother a little too seriously acting as if she's actually Quest's mom and she's not and the <laughs> he said she need to be worried about raising her little eight kids instead of worrying about my grandson and she's like come on dad don't be talking about people kids he said man fuck her and them kids sitting around looking like she made it with Mr. Ed and when I first read that you talking about falling out I said oh my god <laughs> Um, oh my goodness. But also he said, you know, they bought Quest an iPhone to be able to call them whenever they wanted to. I mean, whenever he wanted to. And Missy took it, talking about um, he doesn't need it. And if they want to talk to him, they have to go through her. It's like, bitch, who are you? Ain't got to go through nobody. You better get the fuck out of my way. We're introduced to Omega aka o true um i said that wrong his name is omega true but he goes by oh because i don't want nobody thinking his name is o true like no that's not his nickname but anyway he is having a meeting with his lawyer about trying to get his child back in charlotte north carolina where he belongs because that's where he's been you know since he the baby was born but his baby mama just up and took him and his lawyer isn't really giving him any information but that's because she's more worried about getting some dick than actually working and that's his fault because before we even get into what's going on with him and his baby mama why would you mix business with benefits you know what i mean it's just like so you're upset now that she's not doing her job because all she's worried about is having sex with you that's your fault but anyway um she tells him you know they're only two hours away in charleston it's not like you can't see him when you want to. And that's what she's going to say to the judge. And it's like, I don't give a damn what she's going to say to the judge. So it's okay if she just uproots my son because I don't want to be with her. But if I would have done the same thing, there would have been a bounty on my head. So make that make sense. That is, she can't do that. But his lawyer tells him, you know, she's been served with papers to have him back in North Carolina because there's no custody agreement in place, then she legally can't take him out of the state without Omega's consent. And also the three weeks that she's been there, she hasn't enrolled him in school either, which looks bad on her part. So he's like, okay, what else? And she really doesn't have anything. She's still looking 
to have sex but he's like I'm not here for that I thought you had something about my son I'm more worried about my child and it's just like once again that's your fault you shouldn't have started that but anyway so he leaves and as he's leaving out he is greeted by the face of a beautiful woman and she's on the phone and she says you know if he fucks with me he won't see my son at all i'm trying to be nice because negative purpose brings negative results and you know more than anyone i don't need that right now so just how he thought he was beautiful she turned ugly because it sounds like the same situation that he's going through right now and he can't believe that this woman is trying to keep her son away from the father so he said he interrupts her conversation and says it's women like you that fuck it up for good fathers like me why would using your kid in a battle between the two of y'all even cross your mind you're too pretty to be thinking that evil and you know she moves her phone away from her face and it's like first of all you don't know me or anything about what i got going on so you have no right to say what you're saying you don't know nothing and it seems like you have a few deep rooted issues that have nothing to do with me which amen or my son so while you sticking my nose sticking your nose in my business don't and he's like you talking crazy like you don't know who i am nigga i don't know no don't know you who are you that's the one thing about like street niggas who have a little bit of fame somewhere everybody don't know you you famous in the hood you ain't famous everywhere but um he says maybe that nigga acting a fool because the energy you're given it's always the pretty bitches that have the worst attitudes and she said it'd be the insecure ones that's always trying to make an irrelevant ass point and you know the elevator stops on his stop and she says look this is your stop have a nice day and as he's leaving he calls her a stupid bitch and she says yeah your mama and he tries to turn around, but the elevator door closes. And that's a wrap for them. Omega owns a studio. And he goes there because that's where he can clear his mind and feel at peace. And he runs into his cousin, Saint, who is... Well, they're both still in the streets, but Saint is more in it than he is. And so Saint is asking him, you know, what's going on? And... You know, I told you to let me handle that for you. He like, nah, I don't want to pull you into my bullshit. Morgan, who is his baby mama, she just wants a reaction out of me. That's all. She wants me to care and I don't. And so me ignoring her is messing with her more if I react to this little stunt she pulled. And Saint warns him, you got to be careful with bitches like that. The ones that will do whatever for attention are dangerous. And he's like, you know, I know that. That's why I'm keeping my distance and letting my lawyer handle it. And he says, he says, I bet if you dick her down real good, she'll have OJ here in a New York minute. But it's like, no, bitch, you should do your job because I'm paying you for it. But anyway, his first artist walks in, you know, while they're talking. And it's Nikki Sayora's sister. And she's his first R&B act that he... Noah's going to take his record label, Mega Money Records, to the top. And so Saint sees her and he's, you know, as she's walking towards him, he's like talking out the side of his mouth like, you hitting that? And he's like, man, no, she's my artist. Well, introduce me then, nigga. Nah, you good. Introduce me. And 
Omega laughs and like brushes him off. And you know, uh he gives her a hug and there's nothing sexual going on. She made it clear from the beginning that she's there to work and nothing else. And so now they have a basically brother-sister relationship. And so Saint introduces himself and gives her a card and tells her, you know, I'm starting a security firm. We got you for whatever. I got you for whatever. So Nikki says, um, I like women. She, me too. Look at there. We already got something in common. And it's like, Nick, she laughed at it. But I uh, uh, I was like, are you serious? Even if she did like women, I'm like, that's really what you came up with? That old ass line. And Omega's looking at her. And it's like, she kind of looks like, and then the girl, he knows her from the office, walks in and they look at each other and say, you. So the woman he got into it with at the lawyer's office is actually Sayora. And her, so we go back to her talking to her lawyer and she left on a good note. They, her lawyer told her, you know, as long as her parents didn't object and she had a job and took the parenting classes that were set up for her, the courts would most likely rule in her favor, you know, because like I said, her parents have joint custody, so they can get it switched over to her as long as her parents didn't object, which of course, why would they? And, you know, she does everything else. I just said everything is good. But she's meeting with her sister because her sister is hooking her up with a job as her dancer. Because before she went to jail, that was her passion, dancing. And so now that she sees that's who she could be working with, she tells her sister, you know, I don't know if I can do this. Working with an asshole like that will have me right back in jail. And her sister's looking like Omega. No, he's a good dude. He's the one I was telling you about. That gave me the chance to become an artist. So no. But she says, you know, I say or she's like, I'm going to go. I want to see Quest before Monster comes and gets him from the house. But Nikki grabs her arm like and turns her around and says, do you know what I had to do to get him to even sit down with you? You need this. I don't know what the fuck happened or why. But to be honest, I really don't care. Put your pride in your back pocket and let's make this happen. The goal is and always will be to get your son back. Fuck any and everything else. And so Sayura has to check herself for a minute like, yeah. But as they're looking at each other, Sayura and Omega, Nikki is like, okay, what happened for y'all to even meet each other? And so they both run down the story and Sayura says he called me a bitch while Omega says she was being a bitch. And she's like, who raised you? You love disrespecting women, don't you? Well, my mama's a crackhead and my baby mama is a vindictive uh, bitch. So excuse me if I don't have the utmost respect for women like you. Women like me, you don't even know anything about me. You going off a conversation that you was eavesdropping on and don't know the whole story. Like how you feel like you right. And Nikki tells him, my sister has every right to feel the way she does. That bastard. And she's about to basically tell all her sister business. And Sayora says, no, he doesn't get to know anything about me. I'm here to do a job and that's all I'm here to do. And she tells him, look, we don't have to like each other to or even be cool with each other. But I need this job. So what's up? So he has them dancing with each other and he's liking what he's seeing and 
he's going to give her a chance. And later on, he's talking to Nikki. He's like, you know, she did her thing. It's cool. And she, I mean, not she, he asks about her relationship. Like, what's going on? He put his hands on you. And she's like, what? No, you would be bailing me out of jail. And then his mama would be planning a funeral because Martin Mayhew doesn't play that. And so he laughs it off, but he hates her relationship with her boyfriend because Nikki feels as if she owes her boyfriend something when she doesn't. It's like a false sense of loyalty and basically dragging herself through the mud for something she doesn't have to. And so later on, he's on FaceTime with his baby mama, you know, talking to his son. And his son says, you know, dad, I want to come home to get a like a toy. <laughs> he's like, dang, you don't miss your dad. I want to see you. And he's like, I miss you. And he tells his son, you know, I miss you every day. And the baby mama gets in on the conversation and says, all you have to do is say the word. You left me, Morgan, at the altar, might I add. And you want me to just forget that? All I'm asking is that you give us another chance to raise our son together. I can't do that, Morgan. But that doesn't mean we can't co-parent. And she wants to relive the past, you know, saying like, I know you were cheating on me while you were out running the streets and that wasn't the case. He's like, you know, ever since we got together at the age of 16, you were the only person for me. You're like, now I'm doing my thing because I'm single. But at that time, I was only with you. And whether you want to believe it or not, that's not my business and that's not my fault. And they first met when he was 16. Like I said, well, they both were 16. And he saw Morgan, her sister Megan, and Megan's girlfriend Lexis walking down the street. But, you know, he was 16 out on the block. He wasn't paying them no attention until they walked past and then you heard screaming. So when he runs over, he sees some guys attacking them and he fires like a few shots in the air. And the guys run. So from that point on, Megan felt like she owed him. And so they grew up together and kind of raised each other in a sense. But when he started getting some more notoriety around the hood that's when her insecurity started and she felt like he was cheating with every woman he ever talked to and you know I don't even see how their relationship lasted this long because it's like you accused me one too many times I'm out the door and things got worse when Lexus was killed and Megan and Morgan took the death really hard because they were all best friends and with Megan, you know, that was her girlfriend turned wife. So she took it really hard. So for three years, Megan was in and out of uh, mental uh, treatment centers. And she seemed to be doing okay when Morgan got pregnant. You know, her spirits were higher. But a week after Omega Jr. was born, Megan committed suicide and... That messed with Morgan, but he was there as much as he could be because he also had to work, but he did the best that he could and it kind of just killed their relationship. And so he's like, you know, I'm not trying to rehash this. Did you call me to talk about irrelevant son or can I talk to my son? Um, and she hangs up the phone. But when she hangs up, she then sends a message and says, me and my son are a package deal. 
If you want to be in his life, I have to be in yours. And bitch, no, you don't. If it ain't one thing I hate, it is this. When y'all have children together, you cannot force a person to be with you. A baby don't fix nothing. It ain't going to help nothing. And you cannot then use that child as leverage to try to make them be with you. Because the more you push, the more they're going to pull away. And you just going to be left being a single parent with a child who hates you really because when the child figures out it's not that my other parent didn't want me it's the fact that you wouldn't let us have a relationship together and he responds and tells her you know we share a child so you will always be a part of my life we don't have to be together to parent our son i won't go back and forth with you either we can let the courts handle it if we can't come to a conclusion good enough for the both of us and she doesn't respond to that because it's like of course you won't and he should take those messages and take them to his lawyer. And it's like, look at what she's doing. She's trying to force me to be with her. Otherwise, I can't see my kid. And that wouldn't work out in her favor in court. And that's why I always say men need to quit letting certain women dictate shit and just go to court and say, look, I'm doing everything right. And she's still trying to use our child over my head and won't let me spend no time with them because I don't want to be with her it's like you can prove that you're a good parent doing everything right you just got to document shit and make sure you got all your papers in order and take them to court yeah y'all don't want to fuck with the law whoop de whoop whatever whatever but when it comes to stuff like this and you sitting there like man all I want to do is see my kid she won't let me see my son it's like you letting her have the control and then want to be pissed about it no take your control back While Sayora and Nikki are practicing, the choreographer that Omega has on his staff comes in with an attitude like, what is this? And she's standing there with her arms crossed and she has like this mug on her face. And Omega tells her, you know, what if I told you about questioning me about my business? And so he tells her, you know, just go in my office and away from me there and hit this is another one it's like nigga you can't fuck nobody outside of the people that you do business with but you know they mess around but there's no title and he says that there never will be but he allows her to do things that he didn't let most women do and she tended to take that to the head it's like why wouldn't she you give her this false sense of power so when she's wielding it around now you looking at her as if she's crazy so he steps away from the practice and goes into his office and she's like, can you tell me what that was about? And he tells her, you know, that's none of your business. And she says, it is my business. I'm the chore- uh, excuse me, I'm the choreographer for MMR and you usually tell me when you hire new dancers and that's the problem. Why are you telling her when you hire new dancers? Just say, I hired the well, you can tell her, but not like it's any of her business. This is the person you need to bring up to speed. Show her the steps. Boom, boom, bow. And he says, you know, I don't have to tell you anything. You don't even like working with Nikki. So what does it matter? And she's crossing her arms and rolling her eyes. And then she stomps her foot. And it's like, girl, what are you, three? And she's mumbling under her breath. And that tells him that that has nothing to do with Nikki and everything to do with Sayora dancing with Nikki. And so because he was attracted watching Sayora dance, he then has sex with Anel because, you know, that's who he can get to at this point. 
And so Nikki is dropping Sayora off at home and she tells her, you know, thank you. And I'm sorry to inconvenience you, but you know, I tried to get in the car and I just couldn't do it. Like get behind the wheel on her own. Cause obviously she has to get in a car to get from point A to point B, but she's not the one driving. And her sister tells her, you know, you're going to have to forgive yourself at some point instead of just using Uber or having somebody else drive you. And she just can't because even though she didn't mean to and her emotions ruled her by fighting with Monster and running through that red light, she still killed the person. But they switched gears and Nikki is telling her, you know, you showed your ass at the studio and Sayora says, you think Meg Omega liked it? And she's like, yeah, he liked it because they were staring at each other after they got over the initial rudeness of their first conversation. You know, they checking each other out. So it's just like, girl, y'all might as well go ahead and get together and stop playing. And when Nikki gets home, she is pissed because her boyfriend, Brandon, has like all these people in her house and she's like, you know, get out. Everybody get the fuck out. And he's like, you know, you ain't even got to do all that. Me and my people about to leave. She's like, they shouldn't be here in the first place. And Brandon ain't on her level no more. Like, they started off where he was dealing drugs and making beats. And she feels like she owes him because he made a few of the beats for her EP and you know, that's what got her noticed. So he feels like he is responsible for her career. It's like, nigga, you made the beats. You ain't singing a song. You ain't performing. That's me. Like, I could pay you for the beats, but you're not responsible for my career. So yo, self-importance, self-titledness, no, nigga. But anyway, she also tried to get Omega to hire Brandon to be a producer. But he never showed up for the interview and Omega don't give second chances. So it's like, once you mess it up the first time it's over and so he lives off the fact that um nikki is making it in the underground scene right now so basically he's living off her and she feels like if it wasn't for him she never would have got the money or the beats to make her ep so he also gave her money as well as making the beats and but you don't owe him nothing you you could offer to pay him back, but you don't owe him like livelihood and taking care of him. Like, nigga, you're a grown ass man. And she tells him, you know, you can go, but I'm telling you now, the clock is winding down and I'm not about to keep wasting my time on this bullshit. I want better. I deserve better. So whatever is next up for us is on you. The ball is now in your court. And so he leaves out the door and it's just like, huh, niggas. Sayora is having a conversation with her dad and he tells her you need to mourn the old you because this new you is about to become something amazing so it's just like you know you need to get over what happened what you well not get over what you went through but it's time to move past it don't live in the past and you know all the things you didn't get to do while you were in prison you're about to be something greater. You went through that, but use that as a stepping stone and not something that's going to hinder you and make you feel like you can't do anything. So Sayora is sitting in on Nikki's 
rehearsal and Anel is that how I said it? Anel. Like she's trying to teach her this choreography, but it's not working with the song. And as she's watching, Omega comes up behind her and says, I'm glad to have you on the team. And she stutters out a thanks, feeling like a dweeb. And before anything else can happen, Nikki says, okay, I tried to be nice, but this shit ain't working. And Anel says it's a simple 16 count. And Sayora says that shouldn't be there. And she's like, what do you know? You're just starting in this business. I know you're trying to put too much in that little space. And I've been dancing for 15 years. The movements should be more fluid and exaggerated, not quick. And Nikki interjects and says, whack. And Anel is like, it's not the routine that's whack. It's the song. Yeah, it's definitely the song. And it's like, um, Nikki has already said, Anel is more of a fast-paced choreographer. She integrates a lot of twerking and shaking her ass in her music. And it's like, you can't do that to slow R&B music the way she wants to. And Nikki tells her, you know, just because you're fucking the boss don't excuse you from an old-fashioned Mayhew ass whooping. I'll fuck you up and apologize later. So now Omega has to get in the middle. He's like, all right, what's the problem? Y'all chill out. And Nikki says, I think she's trying to sabotage me on purpose. I'm not feeling the dance that she's trying to do and neither do they. And she points to her dancers and who all, they all nod in agreement. Like, yeah, we not feeling this routine she put together. So Anela's glaring at everybody and she tries to say something, but Omega cuts her off and like, okay, that's enough. And Anel feels like she's now has a problem with her choreographing because Sayora popped up out of nowhere and she's trying to give her job away. And she's like, but I'm not having it. And Sayora says, I don't want your job. I don't know how many times I have to tell you that. I'm just here to help and make sure my sister is good. I'm not trying to step on no one's toes. So Omega asks her, so you think you can come up with something by the end of today? And she's like, yeah, let me hear the song one more time and I got you. And Anela's like, there is no way. It took me three days to come up with that. Nikki says, well, my sister ain't you. And um, Omega's like, so all you need to hear is the song? And she says, yeah, I got it. So Omega and Anel, well, no, Omega is in his office by himself and Anel just burst in his door like, what the hell was that? And it's like, see, but that's your fault, though. You've let her get too comfortable and feel like she running shit. So now that it's annoying you, now you want to have some pullback. You should have did that from the very beginning. Because, yeah, you told her that it was nothing but sex, but then you let her get away with doing all this other shit. So it's like, yeah, your mouth said one thing, but your action said another. And you just let it rock. So you can't be mad at nobody else. But he gets up and goes to the door and points out. And it's like, you know, when you learn how to knock, then we could talk. She like, stop playing and let's get down to business. And he's like, that's the problem. You think that my business is your business and it's not. You work for me. And the sooner you get that through your head, the better. And so he makes her go out and she knocks, but he doesn't let her in. And she's like, I thought you said we could talk. He's like, later, I'm not really trying to talk to you. And then 
excuse me, a few minutes later, there's knocking on the door again. And he like rips the door open thinking it's her. So he has a mug on his face, but it's Sayora. She's like, oh, it's a bad time. My bad. I can come back. And while they're talking, he gets a phone call from Saint letting him know that his mom is hanging around Monster's car wash again. And Monster has her out there shining tires. So Omega's like, I'm on my way because he hates Monster. And Saint feels like Monster is causing a lot of the stuff that went wrong when they took over from Jay, who is Monster's uncle. And that's why Monster feels away because he feels like the quote unquote family business should have came to him instead of Omega and Saint. But it's like your uncle had to know you wasn't going to do shit with the business. That's why he didn't give it to you. You don't just inherit shit and then run it into the ground or you're not going to do nothing with it. And the only reason why Omega kept Monster on is because of his uncle. And it's just like, you know... But that's wearing out, though. And he knew, like, Monster knows that Omega's mom is off limits. And it's like, everybody knows that, yeah, the lady is a crackhead, but y'all don't sell to her. But Monster knows what he's doing just to get it under his skin. So, before he gets ready to head out, Anel busts back in the room again and... Sayora says, you know, I better go. And she's like, yeah, you better. Don't think I don't see what you're doing. You can't take my spot at MMR or in his bed. And Omega's like, the bed you've never been in? The only time they have sex is in his office. They've never had sex anywhere else. And Sayora tells her, you know, I'm gonna let you have that because I'm not trying to go back to jail. But you got two seconds to get the fuck out my face. And she's not loud. She's not yelling. But it's like, you could tell on the look on her face like if she made one wrong move it's over and so Anel says fuck you but Sayora says you're not my type then she looks at Omega and licks her lips and Anel slaps her and of course it's like everything is in slow motion but Sayora delivers a three-piece combo and Anel lands on her ass and she don't do nothing else and Sayora tells her, if you ever in your fucking life think about putting your hands on me, I promise you the outcome won't be what you think it is. And so she turns to Omega. She's like, I'm sorry, but I can't stand. Oh, no. She said, I can't just stand around while bitches putting their hands on me over dick that doesn't belong to either one of us. And subconsciously, he's like, but it can be yours, all yours. Like, he is really feeling her. And he's like, you know, you good. I'll handle this and I'll see you later. And after she leaves, he tells Anel, since you can't seem to separate business and pleasure, we're done. No more uh, middle of the day dick appointments. Nothing in my office. You're good. So she apologizes and says, I lost my cool when I saw her hugging you. I felt disrespected. And he's like, why? You don't even know where I live. Please tell me why you thought you had any rights over me to warrant the feeling of disrespect. I never gave you the notion that I wanted anything other than what you offered. And she's trying to explain, but he's like, there's nothing to explain. Like, I told you what it was and you agreed to be cool with it. But now that somebody else is here, now you trying to act out? 
And so he leaves and goes to the car wash. And, you know, he's arguing with his mom about why she couldn't be a better person. And she's like, you know, you're grown. I got to live my life. And, you know, I don't want your help. I just want to live how I live. And Monster comes out and says, this is a place of business. You need to take your family drama elsewhere. And he's smirking and looking at Omega. And he's like, damn, I must have pissed you off. And Omega beats his ass. Like, literally to the point where Saint has to pull him off of him. And he tells Monster, next time your bitch ass won't be walking away. Stay away from my mama. That goes for all of y'all. If y'all see Anya true... You walk in another direction. If I find out anyone is serving her, that'll be the last thing y'all ever serve. So his mom is like, I'm grown. You can't do that. He's like, yes, I can. These are my streets and I say what goes and no one is to serve you. You don't want to get clean, then I force you to. So Omega comes back to the studio, you know, after all that drama and Sayora is still there, you know, working on the new routines that she has to come up with for Nikki and her performance. And he tells her, you know, come take a ride with me. And if at any point you want me to take you home, I will. I just need to clear my head and driving around helps me do that. And I want to do that with you. We don't have to talk if you don't want to. I just want your presence. And so she says, okay, under one condition, you tell me what happened to leave your hands all banged up like that. And he says, okay, only if you tell me what you meant by you're not going back to jail. And she agrees. So he grabs her hand and they walk out the door hand in hand. And she's just smiling and grinning. And, you know, she's thinking that he reminds her a lot of her father. He's an alpha male with no, no nonsense attitude, but he also has a soft side that seems to be reserved for the women in his life. So as they're talking, oh, excuse me, riding around, he goes first and tells her that Morgan was his fiance and she went through some things and felt like he wasn't there for her like he should have been. And instead of communicating with him about that, she just takes their son and ups and leaves. And so she wants to know, like, were you there when she needed you? And he's like, I stopped everything I was doing and devoted over a month to make sure that she was okay. I paid for therapy, even went with her, stayed up all night sometimes just to listen to her cry or allow her to cry on my shoulder. I never missed a day of telling her I loved her and that everything was going to be okay. Morgan knew that she could talk to me about everything, but she also knew that I was the provider for our family. I needed to work. I was building an empire and I couldn't do that from the confinements of our bed. And she says, so it clicks for her. She's like, so that's why you acted the way you did in the elevator. She took your son. And, you know, he's like, yeah. And after she left, we co-parented for a while and things were working out fine. She even moved on. But I think that was just to get my attention. And when it didn't work, then she broke it off with whoever she was with and came to me telling me that she made a mistake and she wanted to be with me again. I couldn't do it, though. She literally broke my heart, and there was no way I was about to let her do it again. When I wouldn't agree, she packed up my son and moved to Charleston. And, you know, now Sayora, she's mad on his part. Like, that's some bullshit. She can't do that. And so he asked 
about her. And he says, you know, and why don't you want his father to see him? When I just told you about my situation, you seem pissed. But you were trying to do the same thing. Am I right? And it's like, no, nigga. I told you that when you first met me, you didn't know what you was talking about. But she says, no, you're wrong. Five years ago, I found out that my son's dad and my best friend were fucking around behind my back. And this, she gets upset and it seems like she's about to have a panic attack. And she's like, I don't know if I can do this. So he pulls over to the side of the road to get her to, you know, calm down, take a few breaths and when she's finally under control, she leans in and she kisses him. So they start kissing and she pulls back. And this <laughs> this fool, he was like, are you a virgin? And he's like, wait, no, you can't be. You have a son. And I, was, <laughs> I just thought that was so cute. He was like so caught in the moment. And she's like, no, I want to do this, but I'm not very experienced when it comes to sex. And I know you probably... But he cuts her off and says, don't do that. Don't judge me off what you think you know or what you've been through. I'm not him. And he says, honestly, we don't even have to do this if you don't want to. I'm feeling you either way and I want to get to know you. Find out the real Sayora Mayhew. I won't rush you. And so she tells him, you know, I got a lot going on and I don't want my drama to interfere with what you have going on with your son. We may have to be careful when it comes to... When it comes to how we move because of our situations. And he says, you know, I love how you look out for everyone but yourself. And that's even more of a reason for me to want to know or get to know you and all your drama. And plus, we can put this on pause because when I get my hands on you and I will get my hands on you, I need a lot more space anyway. So it's the night of Nikki's performance and... Sayora comes over to her house, you know, she's dressed and they're talking about how she likes Omega and Sayora says, look where love got me the last time. And Nikki tells her that wasn't love. That was bullshit in love's clothing. Omega is a man, a real man. Monster was a coward who didn't deserve to breathe the same air as you. Fuck him. Go live your life and be happy, Sayora. This shit is going to drive his whole ass crazy. You know, basically, like, if you just continue to stay down and in a shell, like, he's one. If you go out and live life and rebuild even after what he did to you, that will eat him up more. And then she tells her, you know, Omega is on his way to scoop us. She's like, I thought you were driving. Yeah, I must have left that part out. And Sayora's like, I do not need you playing a matchmaker, fam. Chill out. But anyway, when the doorbell rings, she goes to get it and she hears, damn. And she's thinking that's Omega talking to Sayora, but it's actually Saint who is at the door looking at her. And she's like, you know, what the hell are you doing here? And where is Omega? Omega steps up and says, I'm right here. He insisted on... But then his words trail off when he does see Sayora. And, you know, like they're having their little moment. And Saint's like, so you ain't happy to see me? If I didn't have a man, then my response would be different. But I don't give a fuck about him. And tonight you shouldn't either. I like you. I don't give a fuck about your boyfriend. Um, And he says, give me the chance. And I swear I can make you forget the nigga ever existed. And... Omega tells him, like, what the fuck did I tell you before we got here? 
And you've been knowing me my whole life, cuz. So you know I don't give a fuck about that leave her alone bullshit. Miss Nikki Mayhew is about to be Miss Nikki Brazen. And I'm assuming that's his last name. And she's like, when was I going to know about this? He said, I just told you. So there's a red carpet at the club that they're about to perform at. You know, Omega went all out. And everything was going great until Anel walked up. And you can tell by the look on her face, she's going to start something. So her eyes automatically go to Omega and Sayora, who's off on the side, you know, in their own little world. And she says, and here I thought it would be you that would be the industry hoe. I guess it skipped you and landed right on your sister. And she, you know, didn't you get hit in your mouth for being reckless already? You trying to get the two for one Mayhew special? And Saint walks over and like gets in between them and says, hey, we're not doing that tonight. This is a celebration. And so Anel smiles and looks at Omega and is like, hey, boss man, I missed you today. He's like, cool, and walks straight past her and grabs Sayora and Nikki's hand and tells security she is not to be let in. And she's like, this is a company event. Why can't I come? And, oh, excuse me, <laughs> stuttering. <laughs> Sayora says negative purpose brings negative results. And so she's left outside. And when they get inside, Nikki sees Brandon hugged up with another woman. So she walks over and says, you know, are you serious? And she slaps the hat off his head, causing it to hit the woman that he's with. And he's like, I thought you had a performance tonight. And she's like, yeah, here, nigga. I don't even know why I'm at. I asked for this. I prayed that God gave me a sign and he made sure that it was huge and neon green. Get your shit and get out of my house by tomorrow. Or I'm gonna have a nice little bonfire in my backyard. So she turns to walk away, but Brandon grabs her and yanks her back. And Saint rushes over and says, get your hands off her. She's like, Saint, baby, I got this. He's like, no, you had it until he put his hands on you. Nigga, that's my bitch. If I wanted to smack this hoe, I could do it. And Saint lays him right out one hit and that nigga is on the ground snoring. And she turns to the woman and says, how do you know him? Did you just meet him tonight? And she shakes her head no. And so she says, do you know about me? And she's, the girl says, Brandon told her that he was leaving her and that Nikki didn't make him happy. And she just found out that she was pregnant two months. And Nikki slaps her. And she also asks, you know, have you been to my home? And the girl tells her he said it was his. So... They pull her to the back and she's crying and Sayora's like, you know, don't even worry about it. You're going to get through this. We are good. And when she gets herself under control, she looks at Omega and says, I'm so sorry. I lost it, bro. But he don't have no sympathy, no concern for her, no nothing. And because they've been through this before. And he asks her, you know, how many times have I told you to let that nigga ride that he didn't mean you any good? That shit in there could have went all the way left. It still might because you just put your hands on a pregnant woman. I love you and you know I do. But today, you need to make a choice. It's either him or your career. I'm not about to mess up all my money on the back and forth of you two. I got too much to lose. So the decision is yours and I'm done talking about it. And so she's like, I am. I just. He's like, no more excuses. I've heard enough of it. And then he gets a phone call that one of the dancers is sick. So instead of the one number 
that Sayori is supposed to be performing. She's going to perform all night. And they get out there and everything is going smooth. And then Monster shows up. It's his birthday, but he's thinking that his cousin... Well, not his cousin, my bad. His boy, FaZe, did all of this for him. Like the red carpet, VIP, and all that type of stuff. But he finds out that Omega rented out the club and basically everything is for him. But before that, because the DJ gets on the mic and it's like the man of the hour is in the building show my nigga some love and he yells out omega and so that pisses him off he's like what is all of this and face tells him you know who the hell did you think the red carpet and cameras was for you he's like hell yeah it's my birthday why wouldn't it be and face straights laughs at him he said nigga don't nobody give a fuck about you this ain't for you you ain't nobody and, you know, Monster's getting mad, but FaZe tells him, I don't care about you being mad. This shit is business, and I ain't got no beef with Omega, and neither does Jay. The nigga brought out the club, and I'm doing you a favor by even letting you in this section. And he's like, you breathing all hard to do what? Like, what you gonna do? And Monster has to calm down, because he, like, he knows FaZe from running back with his Uncle Jay, and... Like, the nigga is crazy. So, he calms down and basically leaves. Or is about to leave. But before he does, he hears Nikki singing. And then he looks on the stage and sees Sayora. And he's still with Missy. You know, like, they're still together. And when Missy sees him looking at Sayora, now she's in a rush to leave. And, you know, she's still scared that Sayora could take her place in his life. But it's like, please. She ain't looking at either one of y'all. She is not worried about y'all at all. So y'all can keep being a quote-unquote happy couple. And while she's performing, Sayora's looking straight at Omega, having thoughts of maybe he's her person. Maybe he belongs to her. And could she just walk away from that because she didn't trust herself to make life decisions that concerned her welfare as as well as the welfare of those involved? And so the performance is over and the DJ is yelling on the microphone, y'all give it up for Nikki Mayhew. That voice is going to take you far, girl. And one time for your very talented dancer. Y'all both fine. You single? But Omega makes his way on the stage with a handful of Sayora's hair and his tongue down her throat. So the DJ is like, well, the dancer's taken. And Omega turns to Sayora and says, stay with me tonight. You still owe me that talk. And so she says yes, then asks if they're staying or if they're leaving right then because she has to let Nikki know if she's leaving. And he says, no, I'm trying to have you all to myself. These thirsty ass niggas is getting on my nerves. And so she goes to change her clothes. And when she comes out, Monster comes behind her and wraps his arms around her saying no Long time no see. And she tells him, get your fucking hands off me. And she kicks and swings until she caught him in the face and he released her. She said, don't you ever in your life fucking touch me again, you snitch ass bitch. And she, I hate this, but she spit. I don't know if she spit on him or just in his direction. Because it says I spit his way. So I don't know if it landed or not. So he grabs at her again, but before he can actually touch her, A fist comes crashing down across his face. 
So Omega has showed up and he says, you just don't learn, do you? So he started beating his ass again. And Sayori tries to get involved, but Saint pulls her back and says, stay back. And so Missy comes and is like, oh my God, somebody help him. And she's looking at Sayora saying, you did this and puts her finger in her face. And Sayora hits her like, bitch, don't you ever put your hand in my face. I didn't do shit to none of y'all. Both of y'all deserve to burn in hell for what y'all did to me. Y'all some fucking snitches, both of y'all. So they get in the car and Nikki is trying to calm her down. Asking her if she's all right. And Sayori says, yeah. She's like, no, you're not. And she's pissed at herself. Because she's like, I gave them the one thing I swore they would never have again. My peace. Why the fuck won't they just leave me alone? And Omega is clueless. Because he's like, I know this is hard to talk about. But can somebody tell me what's going on? So she runs it down. Like, you know, Munster was my boyfriend before I got locked up. For the last five years, I've been in jail been in jail on a drug charge that wasn't mine the day i got stopped was the day that i learned that my man and my best friend was fucking around behind my back i had an accident when i was in the hospital the police came in and asked about the drugs that they found in my car and my ex-best friend and my ex-boyfriend both said that they belonged to me i couldn't prove it and they had uh two state witnesses and he was like you said your son was five found out I was pregnant in jail, had him and had to hand him over to Monster because he was a quote-unquote law-abiding citizen. It's like, who that nigga pussy? And Omega tells her, you know, you strong as hell because I would have had busted out that jail cell blasting. They taking everything from me. They can't have my sanity too. Revenge is not mine. Negative purpose brings negative results. I've had enough negative negativity in my lifetime and, you know, he's just looking at her like, uh, she's so strong. So the four of them go back to Omega's house. And for a minute, it's like kind of awkward because everybody's looking at her. Excuse me. And she's just like, you know, I don't need y'all sympathy. Stop looking at me like that. And Omega tells her, you know, they fucked you over and bad. I get it. But don't push me away because of someone else's actions. And he also tells her, you know, you can't let them stop you from caring, from loving, from living your life. Pushing people who want who want to know you, care about you, and possibly love you is not living, Sayor. No matter how much you try to paint it, it still is what it is. So, you know, um, they're talking and getting closer and kissing. And Saint clears his throat and says, this shit is getting a little too deep for me, so I'm out. Nikki asks to talk to him, but he says, nah, you got shit that you need to deal with. Some shit that a nigga like me ain't got time for. Wow. That's real fucked up. Especially when you pushed up on me. I told you I had a nigga. And now that you got a glimpse of some real shit, you ready to bow out like a pussy? Cool. I'm glad shit didn't get further. So he gets in her face and Sayora moves like to go closer to her sister. But Omega holds her in place and says, that's not your business. And Saint tells Nikki, let me hip you to some real shit, baby girl. My fucking mama lost her life doing that same bullshit you pulled tonight. She knew my pops was doing her dirty, but she left his sorry ass and just couldn't give him up. Instead of letting the bullshit go, she she kept going after all the bitches he was fucking until she rolled up on the wrong one. And she was waiting with a nine millimeter. 
My mom's never made it off that porch because she kept putting that nigga before anybody else. You out here hitting pregnant women for a nigga who was willingly letting a woman in your crib. Her loyalty wasn't to you. His was. Regardless if she knew about you or not, she didn't commit to you. He did. Now your dumbass probably looking at a charge. You didn't think. You don't know what she had in her purse or wherever. You running up on her for a nigga who don't give a shit about you. In that moment, all I saw was my mom. Even the questions you asked, I heard her ask a thousand times. So like I said, I'm out. And so he leaves and slams the door. And Omega turns to Nikki and says, you ain't going home tonight. That nigga probably in his feelings because he got laid out. Go upstairs and choose one of the guest rooms. My room is down the hall if you need anything. And she was about to argue, but then she just closed her mouth and nod her head. And Omega says, thank you, because that wasn't a request. So Nikki and Sayora are meeting with their other sister, Brielle, who has been on the road with her husband. So they really haven't had a chance to catch up with her. Everything stopped and started with Everett. And Nikki says she loves her sister, but she hated how she dropped everything for Ev, as they called them. And she asks, you know, like, how's everything going? And Sayora's hair, like, really grew out. So they're asking for the secrets to what happened. And she's like, no, I haven't talked to her yet. Because um, she said one of her cellmates, I guess, helped her grow out her hair. And she says, you know, not yet. Nikki's been working my ass off. And she says, girl, please, between spending time with your son and being up under Omega, you don't have time for nothing else. And so Bree is like, Omega, Nikki's boss? Excuse me. And her disposition completely changed at the mention of his name. And Nikki and Soror, uh, excuse me, Sayora are confused because she doesn't know Omega and she's only been around him like a few times. So her reaction is uncalled for. So Sayori gets defensive and is like, yeah, why? And she says, no reason. I just think it's weird that you're sleeping with your new boss. What happens if things go wrong? Where would that leave you with dancing? Did you think about that, Sayori? You need this. And Nikki jumps right to her defense because that's her baby. She's like, first off, mind your business. Secondly, Omega is not that type of guy and you know it. He would never run off his emotions like that. And he knows what Sayora has been through. Thirdly, and most importantly, Sayora is smart and she knows what she's doing. She can make decisions about her life without you or anyone else breathing down her neck. And Brie backs off and is like, I'm just saying, Nikki. Like, just saying what? Mind your business. And it clicks for Nikki, like something is going on with her and Everett and she's taking it out on them. And so when they sit down, she's like, talk, because the only time you're being a bitch like this is when you and Everett are fighting. And Brie is pregnant, but it's not Everett's. And the evil part, as she calls it, of Nikki is happy because of all the things that Everett has put their sister through, but she knows that it's killing her sister to be pregnant by somebody else. And she's happy or she's come to grips with it, but she knows if it comes out that she cheated, she won't get what's rightfully hers, which is half of his money. Because um, the prenup that she signed states that if he cheats, she gets half. But if she cheats, then she's left with nothing. 
And the baby that she has proves that he cheated. And I can't wait to figure out how that proves that. Because unless he can't have children, why can't it be his? Unless they just flat out not sleeping together. And she says, but I don't want to talk about my drama. I came here to hear about y'all drama to make myself feel better. And so while they're talking, Brandon walks up. And, you know, it's basically like another, almost another replay of what happened at the club. Because her sisters are trying to get her to sit down. But for some reason, Nikki can't just let it, like, roll off her back and ignore this nigga. And Brandon is about to step closer. But we hear a voice say, do we have a problem? And it's Saint. And she's like, no, I got it. But he gives her a look like basically telling her to shut up because he's looking at Brandon and he's like, I said, do we have a problem? And Brandon throws his hands up and says, no, no problem. And he walks away and Saint asks her, you know, are you good? She's like, yeah, I'm okay." He kept his distance and she smiles at him, but it fades when she sees that he's not alone. So basically he's out on a date and he's like, "Okay, cool. I just want to make sure you were ready. And the woman walks up like, hey, our table is ready trying to establish that she's here with him it's like bitch we know we don't need you to step up step your ass back and you know her feelings are hurt and she's no longer in the mood to be there she wants to leave and go to the studio and you know like work out that pain and so her sister's noticing like you like him huh she's like yeah i do the night of my show he was so chill and fun i saw that in my life but i guess not oh well Sayora and Omega are having sex in his office and they're getting ready to go for round two when suddenly his door flies open and Anel screams what the fuck and she gets a grip on Sayora's hair and says how could you do this Omega you don't even know her so of course Sayora gets her off of her and starts beating her ass and she's like you know what I can't do this we're not even finna start this. You got too much going on, and so do I. But Omega's like, you promised not to run, so we're not finna let this interfere with what we got going on. But she's like, you know, I gotta go because I gotta meet in with my lawyer, and I gotta meet with the CPS lady, so I'll just talk to you later. But Omega also has a meeting with his lawyer, Rochelle, and, you know, when he gets there, he's like, so what are you saying? And she says, I'm saying there's a good possibility we can have your son back home within the next month or so. He's like, you called me down here to tell me the same thing that you told me the last time I was here. Are you playing games? And she's like, no, these things take time and you just got to prepare for this. And he's like, so what did you call me down here for? And she has no words. She's stuttering, stumbling over her words. And he's like, what? What is it? I missed you. And he's like, so you don't have any information concerning my son, but that's what you told me to get me to come down here. And he's like, what? You called me down here for dick and not my son? And then she says she got a lawyer and they filed temporary custody papers. He was like, when was you going to tell me that? After I had sex with you? And she's claiming it just happened before he got here. The papers literally just fell on her desk. And he's like, so what? You was going to wait till after sex to tell me? And she says, I already sent over the appeal. I'm already on it. She's here in town. Maybe you can call her and try to talk to her. He's like, I got to do something because you ain't doing your job. 
And, you know, the more he thinks about it and the angrier he gets, he tells her, you know what? You're fired. Bill me for the work that you've done so far, but you are fired. She's like, what? No, I can fix this. You just have to, what? I just have to fuck you? Whether you gave me the best news in the world or the bullshit that just came out of your mouth, I wouldn't fuck you again. I'm done with this shit and your ass is fired. So he, like, flings the door open and leaves out of her office. And as he's leaving, he sees Sayora. And so he asks her, you know, what are you doing here? He's like, uh, she's like, what are you doing here? I'm here to see my lawyer. And her lawyer is Rochelle. But when Rochelle sees them two together, you can tell she gets jealous and she's watching them interact. And Rochelle comes to the door and says, who's more important, Omega or your son? And she's like, excuse me? She's like, I said, who is more important? Omega or your son and so they go into her office and Rochelle is like so how do you know Omega I mean you two seem very close and her tone is very condescending and she said as you so rudely announced in the waiting room that this should be about my son so can we talk about him and she says your son should be the only thing on your mind if that's the case and she's like who said that he's not like uh Ain't nobody saying nothing to you. So Sayora is looking behind her and Rochelle has a husband and two kids. I don't know if I mentioned that earlier, but she has a family. Bitch is married. And so Sayora looks at the picture and says, beautiful family. And then Rochelle says, we had a court date coming up, but it looks like we need to push it back. There are a few things that I need to get from your son's CPS worker. Bitch, we just talked yesterday. Well, she ain't call her a bitch, but I'm calling her a bitch. We just talked yesterday and you said that you had everything you needed. Yeah, well, I must have overlooked a few things. And she said, you know, with your record and trying to get your son back, you should be careful with who you associate yourself with. And it's like, she's like, you know, trying her best to stay quiet and do everything she needs to do. Because she know basically her life with her son is hanging in Rochelle's hands at this point and she's like so what do I need to do and Rochelle says she's going to get in work with the CPS worker I'll get with her on what I need me and her go way back I'm sure she'll get right to it so she already knows that she's on some bullshit and so now she's meeting with the CPS worker who she being a bitch too I'm very impressed Miss Mayhew I don't think I've ever seen someone with your background come in and do exactly what they said they were going to do. And, you know, ever since she left the lawyer's office, Sayora is feeling like her day has gotten worse. Nikki called and said someone broke into her apartment. And now she got to deal with Rochelle and this bitch right here. And she says, you know, yeah, I've always been a person who did what I said I was going to do. I just, yeah, yeah, you're innocent. That's neither here nor there. My job is to tell the courts if you're fit to raise a son in society after you've been locked up. And it's just like, so she just has to bite her tongue and let this lady say whatever. And, you know, she basically gets away with it. And she ignores her. She spends time with her son uh while the lady is just watching and then off to the side quest and sayora have a conversation 
He tells her he doesn't want to go back to his dad's house, that Missy hates him and it makes him sad when Missy says bad things about her. And she's like, you know, we'll be together soon. You just have to ignore her. And Quest tells her, you know, she says that she can't wait until you do get me because she's tired of raising another bitch's son. Like last night, she took my brother and sister to eat and told me I couldn't come. Said since you were back home that she didn't have to be my mama anymore. But I told her she was never my mom and she got really angry. Was that wrong? And it's like, of course it's not wrong. And baby, you very smart, but don't be cussing. And he says that, I'm not Quest, Lord. Monster and Missy had a big argument. And Missy keeps saying that if she, Sayora, found out that they lied about Pawpaw, that you would have Pawpaw kill daddy. She said that daddy be working with the police. And if he don't stay away from you, she's going to tell everybody. So Sayora tells her, I mean, Lord, tells him not to repeat what he just told her to anybody. Let that be their little secret. Don't say anything. And so the CPS worker comes over and says, Quest, your father is here to get you. And Sayora looks at her and says, what do you mean he's here? That's not our agreement. Well, I thought since you two will be co-parenting that it would be a good idea to work this in. What? Is that a problem? Because I can make a note of it. And Sayora's getting pissed off. She's like, it's a game now, but it wouldn't always be this way. When the tables turn, not even God would be able to save them. And I completely understand because it's like, y'all fucking playing with me. Feeling like y'all got this little power. And y'all got it. Y'all got it now. But when the tables turn, whew. Can't nobody save y'all ass. And I mean that. And Q comes over, Q, because his name is Quintrell, and I keep looking at Quest, Monster comes over and says, I'm not here to hurt you. You can relax. And she's like, boy, what the fuck do you want? I want you to stay away from Omega True. And she's like, what I do and who I do it with ain't got nothing to do with you. You can't demand nothing from me after you took everything away from me. And... He tells her, you think that little five years that you got for them drugs was something? Mess with me if you want to, and I'll make sure you never see Quest or the light of day again. You don't know who the... Wait, nope. You don't know what the fuck I'm capable of. I would hate for you to find out. And then he runs his fingers like down her face, and she slaps him away. Then he grabs her by the throat and squeezes and tells her, stay the fuck away from Omega. And when he releases her, you know, she drops down to the ground and she tries to do the exercises that her therapist told her in prison, but it's not working. And, you know, she's thinking, my son was wasn't a pawn in their wicked game of chess. And the fact that they thought that he was pulled that he was pulled something out of me that I wasn't quite familiar. Okay, I get it. Um And what they didn't know was that I would crawl through the pits of hell for that boy and dare anyone to get in my way. They woke a sleeping mama bear playing with my son, and now they have to face the consequences. Buckle up because they were in for a hell of a ride. And it's to be continued. And that's the end of the first book. I hope to see you guys back tomorrow for part two. I can already tell you, even though I'm going to read it because I enjoy Nikki Brown and her uh, works. But I can already see the foreshadowing of this book that the person that 
Sayora killed is going to be Omega's baby mama's sister's wife. Uh, Alexis, I can already tell. Because it's just like, it'll, it's going to be full circle to bring them together. And that's going to cause some more drama, but I can already tell. But anyway, like I, I already gave my outro. So what am I doing? Peace and blessings, beautiful people.